Hey, good morning. It's Thursday, September 16th, 2021. Hope you guys are having a great start to the day. It's about 9.45 Pacific time, 9.45 a.m. And uh, it's been about 24 hours since we last talked. Some things have changed. Most things don't ever change, especially when we focus on liberals, the left, in the cliche way they go about things. But it's been uh, very interesting to see what's happened in California after the recall, what's happening now with the COVID-19 policy from the Biden administration, and the just usual psychotic behavior from leftists and the COVID mafia around restrictions and conduct and what they're what they're willing to believe, what they want to believe, and then what actual science is telling us. We'll talk about that. We'll give an update on General Milley. Uh, I was right. Nothing's happened to him so far. And even more shockingly is nobody in the Biden administration from the White House press secretary, Jim Psaki, to Milley himself, to all the pundits at MSNBC and CNN. No one thinks he did anything wrong. Even some, some leftists I've spoken with. It's shocking what they think and what they what they will say in response to such a such a serious allegation. Um, Biden had another gaffe. We'll talk about it with the Prime Minister of Australia, and it's getting real interesting with the infrastructure bill and the big massive add-on that Pelosi is trying to sneak through with budget reconciliation. Where basically, the way I understand it. They want to eliminate filibuster. They want to make this and ram this through with a majority vote, uh, 51 votes with what would be Kamala Harris. But, you know, right now, with a negotiated infrastructure bill, Republicans, some are on board. And it's not at the price tag of $3.5 trillion. But the left gets greedy. It's not enough to compromise. They don't like to compromise. That's partially still Trump deration, derangement syndrome. We'll talk about it. And then we'll go over some breaking news and even something funny. You probably heard about Nicki Minaj. We'll get into that a little bit towards the end. But starting with a Missouri story, this is really something, and I've verified it. This individual is now being labeled as a whistleblower, new Missouri COVID whistleblower. Hospitals are lying to the public about COVID, and this guy can prove it. Now, this is not a new concept, right? We've, we've heard about ICU capacity for a very long time. And I happen to know some people who work at the administrative level for very large hospitals in different states in the country. And they will tell you that capacity isn't what the rest of us would think it is. Meaning, if somebody's at 90% capacity that they absolutely only have 10% more when then they'll be at 100 and they'll be full. The problem with the term capacity when you're dealing with hospital beds, whether it's ICU beds or regular hospital beds, is that it's really a current capacity. It's not the overall total breaking point capacity, meaning a hospital CEO, right? The president, the person running the hospital has a great deal of discretion. And remember these beds, especially ICU beds, I mean, I don't know what the ratio is, but it's intensive care. So it's a significant step up in treatment over a regular hospital bed. So it requires more staff or at least 
uh, less patients per staff, right? There's a lower ratio because it's intensive care, specialized care. And there are actual beds beyond the current capacity. It's all based on staffing. So right now a hospital could be at 80% ICU bed capacity, but that's based on staffing, not space, actual ICU room and bed space. And rather than staff a bunch of rooms that will sit empty, hospitals will wait until they get close to capacity and then staff more beds in almost, if you remember from school, a just-in-time inventory, right? JIT, where they're not, you don't have a bunch of raw materials or and supplies sitting um, on the sidelines, or you don't make so much inventory, so much product that you have a bunch sitting waiting to ship. You try to find the right number, the right production rate, so that you're not having inventory sit before shipping, before it's bought. Of course, you don't want to run out, but you save a lot of money not having a bunch of product sit on the shelves waiting to be purchased or waiting in a warehouse. Well, they, they run these beds similar, as I've learned. And so that one aspect, that's the one part about that's so misleading about that statistic, bed space capacity, ICU bed space capacity, is it's what the media loves to do. They leave out context. They leave out the full story, all of the information, because they want to scare you. COVID's been the best example of my lifetime of how the media loves to scare you and keep you glued to the television so they can sell more ad space and also they can maintain their power. Well, let's take this a step further in this Missouri example. It's Missouri Baptist Medical Center. I guess it's known as MBMC. And this guy's name is Josh Snyder. And he worked in facilities management. I don't exactly know what that is. It sounds like almost a maintenance job, but who knows? He worked there and he had a front row seat. And he says he watched hospital administrators say in the media that our ICU units or our intensive care units were overflowing with COVID patients at 98% capacity, knowing that it was a complete and utter lie. That's a quote from Mr. Schneider, who worked at this hospital, looks like to be a large hospital in Missouri. He says they never had 98% occupancy, regardless of how you staff the beds, and that the media just accepted and ate up the lie. They love that story. They love to interview. They love the unidentified hospital staffer of a random hospital somewhere saying that we've got patients dying in the parking lot. This is a disaster. They love that. You can never get a quote. You can never get actually a source, the person who's providing the information by name. Here we have somebody. Now, Snyder relates that the MBMC hospital, part of a larger 5.5 billion, with a B, annual network within the Barnes Jewish Hospital Systems. Wow, that's a big one. Barnes Jewish in St. Louis is a massive, if you've ever been there, it is a huge, huge hospital organization and medical um, corporation. This is incredible. That actually shut down three, this, this hospital actually shut down three out of four floors of intensive care during COVID because they were unused. So it goes back to what I said. Maybe. I mean, it does. And this, this way, so you think, okay, they were 98% capacity to the one floor they had open. Still misleading because they had three more ICU floors they could add, floors full of rooms. So the 98% wasn't even the story. But Mr. Schneider goes on. He says, even after shutting down three-fourths, right, three out of four floors, for those of you in Rio Linda, had to do it, Rush. 
even after shutting down three-fourths of our ICU capacity, they were still never more than 50% full with that drastically reduced overall capacity. This guy, facility management, he's everywhere. He can see it. He's in, if he has any kind of leadership role, I imagine he's in some kind of staff meeting. And he would certainly know if they were brimming at the rim, overflowing with COVID patients. This is a massive story. And you will only see it on news websites not affiliated with any mainstream news media channel like NBC, CBS, ABC. Now, this is breaking today. I imagine Fox News will be verifying and interviewing Mr. Snyder. Okay. Um, He's even, I don't know if this is his picture, but there's an empty ICU unit. I don't know if this is MBMC in the article on Gateway Pundit, but this looks pretty pretty damning to the narrative. And it's all about narrative with the left. Once they adopt a narrative, they never let go of it because they can't be wrong because they're elitists. So the narrative from the beginning is that we were going to lose 2 million people, that COVID was going to kill everybody who didn't wear a mask 24-7. And that if you didn't wear a mask 24-7 and you dare went anywhere near people, you were a murderer. That's the narrative. So where did we go from there? A lot of us went many different places. As we learn more, we realize that there's some lunacy about how we conduct ourselves during this pandemic, that maybe the vaccine isn't the best choice, that we should have the choice whether we take the vaccine. And now we've learned that natural immunity is more effective than two shots of the Pfizer vaccine. That's science. Doesn't go with the narrative, so it's ignored. They don't, the left doesn't want to respond to this. Along with this narrative came little sub-narratives, and that is, ICU beds and hospitals overflowing, right? And and that our heroes, who many of them were, nurses, doctors, staff, paramedics, were at capacity. And they were working hard at the peak of the pandemic. There's no doubt, especially when we didn't know how the hell to treat this thing. Um, Therapeutics have come a long way, we've learned. And you can tell that we're getting more people out of the hospital. The people that don't leave, we've learned, tend to be the same. And I hear more and more doctors reiterating this, and it's somehow still politically incorrect to say that morbidly obese people, even vaccinated, are screwed if they get COVID, statistically. Many will recover, but a good amount don't. And I now personally know two people, kind of through a third party, I'm very close to the people that know them well, two people that have died after being ventilated in a hospital from COVID that we're morbidly obese and smokers. We know you, you, you can still be those things, eat all you want, just know you're taking a huge risk all the time, frankly, and even more so now. And even if you're vaccinated, it seems. But it still helps according to the science. Again, it's your choice. I think losing weight is a good choice too. And all I'm quitting smoking might be. But again, I love good food, never was a smoker. I probably drink on occasion but it's a lifestyle choice and you can't be forced. That's a slippery slope. But here we have one of many stories that will come out. As COVID improves again, the Delta variant will start sliding. The case numbers I referenced the other day aren't as low as they said initially. The CDC has updated the COVID tracker. We're still in that 100,000 plus range of positive tests, but hospitalization is declining. That's a big indicator. Next will come the positive case declines. And if some damn new variant doesn't invent itself or isn't invented, 
um, we should be with natural immunity and vaccination in the downward stretch here, knock on wood. But the great thing about that, other than not hearing as much hysteria, because many of us are still living our lives, depending on where you live. It's very different in Orange County, for instance, than LA County or Santa Clara County in California. Texas, places like that, Arizona, where I've been, Colorado even, the mask mandates are just not enforced, even if there are mandates in the particular city you're in. But we're going to start hearing more of these stories. Hospital employees probably ignored it in the beginning, but they're getting sick of the scare tactics, especially when their own specific employer, as is the case with Josh Schneider with MBMC in St. Louis, they come out and say, hey, we're at 98%, God help us, getting all this sympathy from the media when it's completely untrue, not even close to being the truth. The numbers are way off. Three out of four of their ICU floors are empty and unstaffed. And as this gentleman said, at best, they were at 50% capacity of the one floor of ICU beds they had open. This is not an anomaly, okay? This is happening everywhere. And the narrative is no longer specific. They don't even give you a city. If they do, they will find some small town that happens to be a what's known in the virus pandemic world a hotspot, and that still happens, where you had an isolated community that never had any COVID threat, so the vaccination is low. I don't blame them, right? Somewhere in Idaho, I read about it recently, and these are tiny hospitals. So there's no context when they talk about ICU bed capacity. I think one of these hospitals referenced, without saying how many ICU beds they had, you can look it up, had 20. So it doesn't take long. 10 patients is 50%, right? It's basic math. You start getting five or six more, the numbers get scary. If you don't talk about the size of the hospital or how many ICU beds are truly capacity for this tiny regional hospital, then you can scare people and you're feeding Right? You're feeding the little animals out there that are good soldiers. The liberals are better soldiers than conservatives are. They go out and they will repeat a narrative like they are dedicated kamikaze warriors. They'll do it to their own peril before they admit. They don't even have to admit that they might have been wrong They before they admit that something has changed. And it's interesting because we now have a situation in California, right after the recall, even with things getting better, even with 75% of adults having at least one COVID vaccine, the recall was a huge benchmark for Gavin Newsom because he said right away, the recall win shows Democrats should stiffen our spines on COVID action. Oh, baby. That dude is definitely stiff with power after that recall especially after it failed and the day after because it was so urgent and such a huge emergency LA County immediately yesterday imposed multiple restrictions and mandates that you be vaccinated to essentially go anywhere to eat in any business right after the recall election was over it was so urgent that they were able to wait until Newsom was saved that is why this is such a joke. And it's interesting, people that you would think, I just look on social media, people I know that I thought probably voted no on the recall are livid. And they're saying things like, this is what we get, California. This is why the recall was initiated. Because of his dictator approach to the COVID 
restrictions, how he conducted himself too personally as a total hypocrite. He didn't wait. He did not wait. Newsom's victory this week should embolden Democrats, according to Politico, across the country to pursue more aggressive public health measures to quash the coronavirus pandemic. This is the arrogance they have. They think they think they can stop COVID still when all of their bullshit for 18 months has had little to no effect. Now, they'll tell you it would have been two or three million dead if we weren't all wearing Hello Kitty masks, right? That's They'll tell you with a straight face that your mask that you bought at Walmart made in China has saved lives. They don't care that there's no data supporting it. There's data saying the opposite now. But they want to now make this a national forum, a referendum on COVID policy. When, like I spoke about yesterday, nothing about California's elections or government is an indication of anything nationally regarding how people feel. And I still think it's bullshit because no way Orange County went almost 53% in favor of keeping Gavin Newsom. Absolutely not. So they they padded the stats here with mail-in ballots. They know what they're doing. And of course, it's all a big lie. How dare you even ask when these are the same people that say, I believe in science. Well, statistics is a science, right? I mean, I, I mean... There's a scientific approach that relies on statistics. Every clinical paper you will ever read talks about results, talks about a standard deviation. All right, now, I'm not so edumacated in stats that I could tell you exactly what that means, and I'm not going to bother looking it up. I know enough to know that the phrase, the term standard deviation is a statistics term. Stats is science. And there are some really shady statistics coming out of the California recall, right? Three out of 10 Californians, 30% of the Californians that signed the petition to recall Newsom were Democrats or independents. Yet a bright red county like Orange County went 53% in favor of keeping Newsom and saying no on the recall. No, no. And that Gavin Newsom got more votes than he did in his election pretty crazy stuff. But they see this as a mandate. Now, it's amazing that they see it outside of California. And really, it's just a blue state mandate. It sucks. If you live in a very blue state, like a Washington and Oregon and Maryland, you know, some of the semi-blues even that have blue governors like Michigan or Wisconsin, I'd be concerned that you're going to go back for a little while, maybe a long time to some similar restrictions that we had last year. Because remember, as COVID declines, they want to be able to take care of or take credit for why it's declining. So you have people that see, they know the numbers. These are not ignorant people that are mandating vaccines or mandating masks everywhere outside in their backyards if they have other neighbors over, like the governor has done in Oregon. They're not stupid. They have the information. They can look at the graphs. They know we're starting to decline again. They know that natural immunity works. So they want to get a piece of the action. They want some credit they can take so that in a couple months when things are really good, see guys, it's because we mandated vaccines. See everyone? 
It's because we mandated masks. See, everybody? It's because we told you drinking your own urine would prevent you from getting COVID. Now, that last one's not true, but I believe that millions of leftists, millions of liberals, if Anthony Fauci came out today and said, listen, if you do it after decent hydration, if you drink your own urine, right, maybe let it sit for 30 seconds on the counter. You don't want it too warm. Drinking your own urine will help you prevent COVID. I'm telling you right now, you would see millions of people. It would be a TikTok trend. Drinking piss to save your neighbor would be a TikTok trend if Anthony Fauci told you it worked. And we'd see it on TikTok. There'd be a whole urine drinking thing. And I'm kidding, but I'm also talking about a generation that ate Tide Pods because it was a social media trend, right? So remember, it only takes a few stupid leftists, some celebrity, right, to take a shot of their own piss to probably start some million-person trend that would be absolutely fantastic and hilarious to watch on social media. So I'm not saying I wouldn't want it to happen. And it won't. I'm exaggerating. I'm poking fun. Because why not match ridiculousness with ridiculousness? Because that's where we're at. They'll do anything, right? And they, they love the violence associated with COVID enforcement. They want Gavin Newsom locking down. They think kids are dying in droves or they're going to, even though something hasn't, there's so many things that haven't happened that they've been warning about, warning us about for 18 months. They still want to tell us it could happen. It could happen. Based on their attitude, we should all wear helmets, masks, Kevlar, steel-toed boots, and, and jock straps for the rest of our lives anytime we go outside, maybe even at home. I mean, my house could collapse on me. It could happen. My God, why am I not wearing head protection? But they're, they're nuts, and it spreads outside of the government. It spreads now to the ever-entitled airline industry. Getting sick and goddamn tired. I've been flying recently. I'm tired of the flexing, right? Some of these flight attendants love to do before and during and even after the flight. I am done hearing lectures all day long when I travel because I'm not wearing a mask really at all until I get to the airport because I got to travel and they got federal mandate with mask pictures listed everywhere. I don't need to get tased, especially if I need to get somewhere. It's too far to drive. But I heard in one airport recently, the mayor and like three city council members and then a dude who had a hot dog stand on the street all in a repeated recording over and over in the loudspeaker. This is Mayor so-and-so of such-and-such city. Vaccinations this. Get your COVID. Well, first of all, you better get your damn masks on or we're going to shoot you is kind of how they open it. It's mandated. And vaccines are great. You can get them here in this city. But remember, idiots, if you don't wear a mask and do exactly what we tell you, we're going to zip tie you and carry you out like the luggage and baggage claim. Don't you dare cross us. And you got to hear that. Right? While you're trying to check in, while you're going through security, while you're trying to get a cup of coffee, and you just don't want to be around people, and I never did even before the pandemic because there's just too many people at an airport, I now got to listen to this bitch on the microphone tell me, remember, wear your mask at all times. Lady, I can't breathe right now, and it's below my nose. Kiss my ass. Then I get on the plane, and the flight attendant decides she wants to be Mr. Wizard and tell us all about why we've got to wear a mask we're going to get in this together. Listen, first of all, I'm not in this with anybody anymore, right? That we're in this together hashtag crap ended for me at about day 90. 
Okay, I'm in this for me and my family. I'm going to do what's best for them. Whatever you do is fine. I'm not really going to do anything for you regarding the pandemic when I leave the house. All right. So wearing a mask for you is unamusing to me. I'm unimpressed. I'm unimpressed with your tears, your emotions. I don't care. I've just got this useless piece of material, this cloth over my face. So you jerks let me check in and fly wherever the hell I'm going. Back home especially. So I can get out of your city that tries to make me wear a mask when I go into a gas station. Please let me go home. Please just remind us quickly, if you have to, to keep your job, that we got to keep the mask over our nose, which I don't during the entire flight because I like to breathe. And the science behind recent studies of the ventilation on airplanes has greatly improved. They don't know that. They don't care about that. Cover your face. Now you got to, on a Southwest flight, do sign language to order a drink. God forbid you point or lower your mask to ask a clarifying question when the person telling you what there is to drink through a mask is quiet, doesn't enunciate, and I can't understand them. So I don't buy, I don't do anything anymore. Carry a bottle of water on, keep my eyes down, move the mask a little bit up towards my nostrils when they walk by, bring it back down to return to my movie or my book because I'm tired of it. Well, apparently on American Airlines, you're going to have a flight turned around And you're going to have a mother and her asthmatic two-year-old baby kicked off the flight. First of all, if I'm on that plane, I'm telling the flight attendants, you're going to have a bigger problem than this kid who's having a trouble breathing through a mask, God forbid, if you turn this flight around. We're going to have an issue. So I probably will get arrested, but it would make for some great video. But they did it. American Airlines did it. They made this woman and her two-year-old get off the flight, her kid with asthma, because she couldn't keep a mask on over the kid's face. I mean, give me a break. The mom posted on her IG story a video of her son who was having an asthma attack and was refusing to put a mask on due to his inability to breathe properly. I want to know about the other parents on this flight and what they did. Or were they the, were they the typical American modern sheep sitting there afraid to speak up? And I know it's changed on flights. More so than after 9-11. You so much as look at these entitled bastards the wrong way. And the flight attendant, who sounds like he's probably better off on a gourmet cooking show, if you know what I mean, in the most fabulous, stunning way, is going to give you a lecture and start threatening you. Right? Him and his well-groomed self. That's the attitude you get sometimes, right? Or kind of all the time. Or the most unhappy woman you'll see all day is going to roll her eyes at first. That's like her warning. And then she's going to report you because it's power now. And they love it. They love it. Especially the ones you hear in the opening broadcast tell you how bad you are if you don't put your mask over your nose. Well, this woman and her child were sent home. They turned the plane around and made her with her screaming two-year-old get off of the flight. This is in America. This is 1984 Brave New World psychotic Soviet-style Russia. I mean, I don't... This is heartbreaking. And I... She wasn't refusing. Nor, she says here, you know, it's not like she got into a confrontation and pushed the wrong buttons. She couldn't get the mask over the two-year-old's face. Now, maybe in this story, there's some white liberal sitting next to her that's horrified, who's been vaccinated 17 times, but thinks that this two-year-old, who's probably coughing, 
See, that's what's getting weird. I, I don't like it when adults cough around me on planes even worse. And I've for years now, I say something when someone doesn't cover their mouth. I encourage everybody else because that's just gross. But if it's a baby, what are you going to do? It's nice to see the parent make an effort, but like they don't know. They can't, they, their instincts aren't telling them, oh, my child's about to cough. So I'm sure this kid, two years old, freaking out, trying to get air, which is scary enough for an adult, didn't have the best reaction to his or her mother, the person that is the center of trust and love in their world, trying to obstruct their freaking mouth and nose with material when they were struggling to breathe. I mean, the mom at some point is going to be like, guys, I can't do this. It's cruel. It's not healthy. My kid needs air. So unless it was for, I mean, I'm not reading here that it was a severe attack where they landed to get the kid medical attention. They did this to punish the mother and subsequently her child. Lunatics, we need to fight against this. We need to refuse this crap and we need to do it in a vehement, intense matter. People need to be scared to make things like this happen. They need to be scared about what the consequences will be for turning a flight around. Because I'm telling you right now, when we land back at that city, I've got things to say and I'm talking to the pilot. And I'm taking everybody's name and I'm going to be their worst goddamn nightmare for months, maybe years to come. Because they're getting called out. And there will be accountability. And I hope there's somebody like us on that flight who's not only disgusted by this behavior, but pissed they had to go back and land at their originating city. What a joke. Because a two-year-old didn't want a mask over his face. Get the fuck out of here with that. Embarrassing. Shifting away from COVID, I don't know if Fauci said anything, so we'll walk away from that nonsense. I haven't looked at numbers. It, now it's... The numbers update so late, three and four days later. Giving you anything right now wouldn't be any different than what I did a couple days ago. But General Milley's act of treason or otherwise dereliction of duty, we'll see no accountability. This guy's not going to face any, any, <laughs> any repercussions, any consequences. Am I shocked? No, but e even when you're not shocked, you're still disgusted. And... I'll look, I'm trying to work through the disgust and get some more information. And so looking into something on Fox News, a guy named Don Balduck, who's running uh, as a Republican Senate candidate in New Hampshire, said military members, this guy's former military, and I believe was retired, is retired, says military members have lost confidence in Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Of course. I mean, of course, this is, this is, the top ranking person in all of the armed forces. And if, let's, I want to put it in a different context, what he did. And to remind you, if you didn't listen yesterday, which is fine, I'm not hurt about that. Um, Millie, twice, this is a, alleged in a book by Bob Woodward, who's known for many years, decades now, to write books and not sort of tell-alls, but biographies or memos or memorandums. I don't know what I'm, you know, trying to call it, but a book on how things were in the White House behind the scenes. And this will be his second or third of the Trump administration. It's not like I'm keeping up and reading them. I mean, they're incredibly slanted left. But he's got a source that says Milley called China twice, once in October, once after the January 6th riots, to give his counterpart, 
the highest-ranking general in China in the military, give him he'd say, I give you a heads up if we're going to attack. That is, at a minimum, conduct unbecoming. You, you can't do that. If somebody at a lower rank in the military, a lower-ranking officer did that, promised to give intelligence to a potential enemy ahead of any moves we make, that person would be in Fort Leavenworth, a prison. They would be court-martialed, prosecuted under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, and they'd be in jail. And the military is not supposed to give you special treatment or favors when you have um, higher rank. It's supposed to be more severe. You're supposed to know better and be even more of an example to your troops. But this retired general, Don Baldick, so this guy was a general, highest, one of the highest ranking officers. Doesn't say how many stars he had, but this guy was big time, right, in the military. Says that Mark Milley should resign because he overstepped his power during the end of Trump's presidency. He says irresponsible behavior. He says it's either treason or somewhere between treason and dereliction of duty. And the definition of treason is the crime of attacking a state authority to which one owes allegiance. This typically includes acts such as participating in war against. So what this general is saying is maybe it wasn't quite treason. It was treasonous. But if it wasn't treason, it was at a minimum dereliction of duty, right? This guy did something that is not what he is um, directed to do in his position, not only as a member of the military, but as a general officer and the highest ranking general officer in the armed forces as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. It's, it's nuts. But with all that, with so many credible sources, I don't see any, any ex-military people that's the question you ask your friends on the left. And many of them are going to defend Milley. But what a hero, right? Because, because Trump is a part of the equation, they lose all ration. And I'm looking for somebody. And they will, they'll drag somebody out. I mean, they've, they probably tried. You got plenty in recent years of these loser retired generals, right? You got the former head of the Obama and part of Trump CIA, um, I'm drawing a blank on his name, the guy with the glasses who's on Twitter. He's just a complete leftist. He was a general, I believe, in the military, and he might he might come out on the record and defend this, but it would take some guts, and it would not be easy to do. When you isolate what Milley did away from all the politics, it's at least dereliction of duty. But the only generals, the only military feedback that I've seen is all against what Milley did. Nobody's coming to his defense that has military service on their record, especially at a high level. Of course, all of the elitist leftist experts that know much more about the armed forces and about leading a country and leading a military than ex-military do, people on the left at CNN, they're going to tell you, like Don Lemon, they know better. They can tell you with all of their experience and all that they know that this was a different situation. And can you imagine the pressure Milley was under? Milley made this crap up. He wasn't under pressure, and he didn't think Donald Trump was going to start launching nukes all over the world. right? Like one big giant nuclear money shot as he's leaving office with the codes from the briefcase. Like the dude with it handcuffed to his wrist is going to let him just start punching in and launching. Like it's a video game. Get out of here. Milley didn't worry about any of that. This is all political theater. This is all his own Trump derangement syndrome the Massachusetts native himself. So, so he's, but he's protected. Even a guy that commits something close to treason 
at least alleged seriously documented, is going to face no accountability under this administration. And it's a it's a tired analogy, it's a tired comparison, but you can't help but think what would happen if we 180'd this completely. If we had to look at this in the world of a Trump administration, right? Or if Trump had won the election and a general did this to an outgoing Obama or an outcoming, outgoing Democrat, this would be 24-hour run news on the left. There would be hearings in Congress already. This person would have resigned. They'd have been forced to resign. Milley, the entitled leftist prick that he is, is not going to go anywhere. He won't. No one's going to hold him accountable. Not sure if Congress can do it if the Republicans do win back in 22. I'm not sure what they can do by then. But I hope something happens. That's all we have is hope. There's no strategic path that I can see where General Mark Milley has to deal with this at all. And it's, it's terrible. We're not going to see it from Biden. He's already given him a vote of confidence. He doesn't care. Anything that was done... No matter what, I think if Milley had killed somebody and said, I'm trying to save the country, this person was close to Donald Trump and they were working with the enemy, I think Milley wouldn't, wouldn't have to answer it because it's the Trump factor. You're allowed to do anything you want. You're allowed to hope people die of COVID if they're a Trump supporter. It's, again, they're all sociopaths. They're not people I want to deal with in any way, shape or form. I don't hang out with anybody that doesn't think like me anymore. Because I'm really smart. We all are. We listen. We're informed. Why deal with idiots? And they're boring. Liberals suck to drink with too, right? They get all depressed. They think they're smart. They start blah, blah, blahing up at things that don't matter. They think they're in college again. It's sad. They think they're good looking, which is really creepy to watch. So I'm not around them. I just read stuff on social media, get an occasional message with one that I try to be nice to. And they're just, they're just blinded with Trump hate. That's never going to change for them. They'll live 30, 40, 50 more years hating Trump. He's infected. I mean, I had somebody recently mention Russian collusion. <laughs> like, referred to this person, referred to Trump as a Russian asset. They can't let go of it. This person's not ever involved in reading a whole lot of the news. This person listens to a podcast, does a few other things, and it's a nice person, is a smart person, but picks and chooses what he or she wants to believe that original narrative. They're never going to let go of that. That narrative's, my God, six years old? The reality TV host who's a Russian asset. It's pathetic. Um, Biden doing his thing. Apparently, he forgot another world leader's name. They have some G7, she 7 summit going on, and he couldn't remember the prime minister of Australia. I mean, they're both a couple of socialist dictator types. I don't think Biden is. He's not really aware enough to be that powerful. But he's giggling over a screen view while he's standing at the podium. You got Boris Johnson on our right, and the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, on the left. Biden forgot his name. And Morrison is, you know, in the midst of fighting COVID that barely exists in his country with probably the most strict lockdowns in the world. Riots in the streets. You can barely see news reporting on him, but there's plenty of video. They're fighting, but the, the Australian community, the Aussies cringe as Biden appears to forget the Prime Minister's name. If it's not on the teleprompter, Biden's got a pretty good shot of forgetting it.
He says, pal, fellow down under, hey, you. <laughs> Dude, what a loser. I mean, <laughs> Joe Biden is appearing to forget the prime minister's name. That's the leading story in in Australia. And Politico doesn't like it. They think Biden should get a break for this kind of thing. Sure, they said. Sure, Washington, London, and Canberra have just signed a huge new defense pact. They're going to sell weapons to each other, whatever. But what Australians are talking about is U.S. President Biden appearing to forget, appearing to forget, and he forgot their prime minister's name. God, whatever. And off he goes. He's having a great time. All the while, Nancy Pelosi is orchestrating how our tax dollars are spent, and she's losing moderate Republican support because she's an idiot, or she's just incredibly self-unaware. And they're trying to be sneaky. Biden made a big gaffe on this as well, where he inferred that he'd just hold everybody hostage and wouldn't sign a budget or any kind of infrastructure bill unless Republicans got on board with a massive reconciliation attached to it. So taking infrastructure, attaching it to a massive ram through budget that would at least be $3.5 trillion in spending. That's fun. I mean, we don't have the money. I mean, there are enough fiscally conservative people even on the Democratic side, in Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema, Manchin from West Virginia, Sinema from Arizona. But there's meetings going on right now. There's leverage going on with those two right now. They're going to agree to something. So we're going to be spending something. The problem is how much of this infrastructure bill will be actually infrastructure. I doubt that the broken down bridge near your home, especially you live if you live in a hurricane-ravaged area in a poor county, I don't expect that bridge gets fixed anytime soon and probably not with a cent coming from this supposed infrastructure bill. It'll be a big money grab for the leftist social experiment. And that's what we're going to get. How exciting. The final story has got to be Nicki Minaj, who was rather heroic this week. Anybody who pisses Joy Reid off is a hero. I can't remember if I talked about it. I don't think I did. Because the story hasn't gone away. I thought it'd be just kind of a 12-hour thing. But Nicki Minaj apparently has a cousin, Tucker Carlson talked about this, who has swollen testicles because of the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, that is certainly anecdotal data. It's not a study of the testicles of those of us who have had any of the COVID vaccines. She didn't say which vaccine her swollen cousin had. But what a horrifying side effect, right? I don't think she's making it up. I just don't know what else her cousin does that could have caused the swollen testicles. Um, Ice is the first thing that comes to mind. Anything else is not show appropriate. But now, of course, this anti-vaccine tweet where she dares to say, as a black woman, how dare she come out and say that people should make their own choice and that the vaccine isn't the end-all, be-all. She got destroyed for this. Joy Reid did the whole come-on sister thing in her monologue on her barely-watched show on MSNBC calling out Nikki for her irresponsibility. This is peak liberalism. This is a great example. It's not Nicki Minaj, who's an interesting character. I don't know how much I'd agree with Nikki on, but she doesn't care what people think to a point where it's fun to watch. She's got a little Donald Trump in her. 
right? And she feeds off the fight because when she received admonishment and reprimand for daring to stray off the plantation as a black woman and saying something on her own and thinking for herself, when she got hammered for it, she doubled down. It's kind of laughable. Maybe she's trolling when she includes her cousin's swollen testicles. Tucker Carlson, in a hilarious moment on his show, asked his audience, looked at the camera and said, we'd like to give this swollen testicle cousin a chance to respond. If you're out there, we'd have you on the show. Probably not going to happen, but we can all hope and dream. But Nikki said, quote, his testicles became swollen. His friend was weeks away from away from getting married. Now the girl called the wedding off. That's right. Tucker Tuck. 22.6 million Twitter followers are now distraught because Nicki Minaj's cousin's fiance bailed on him and his basketball-sized testicles. And she didn't get into specifics what the swelling level was like, but I imagine it was to an uncomfortable level. <laughs> wow. Now, somehow the Trinidad and Tobago health minister, Terrence Dayal Singh, on Wednesday criticized as false the claim about the swollen testicles. Because she talked about someone having that problem on the island. So this was her cousin that was in Trinidad and Tobago. Yes, this was apparently an international controversy. So not only was the person, was her cousin swollen down there from the vaccine, but he experienced this. I'm assuming he identifies as male. Insincere apologies, if not. But I guess it happened in the Trinidad and Tobago territory. Wow. I hope this story stays alive for a while. I if we if there's any way to give it CPR and keep it alive, we need to. Good for Nicki Minaj. She's going to say what she wants. I don't know what her IQ is. I don't know what she scored on the ACT, but you know what? She has a right to do what she wants to do and say what she wants to say. Hello, that's America. And you're seeing how supportive of black women the left really is when a black woman says something that doesn't align with ding, 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 the narrative, right? You got to get the vaccine. It's the only way to save yourself. Natural immunity, data, be damned. They're going to stick with that. They're never going to come around. Even now in Biden's new sweeping COVID-19 policies that he wants to use just to take credit as things are getting better, his policies do not factor in natural immunity. They won't. Is that because he's tied to pharma? Who knows? But it's the narrative. They can't break away. They said vaccines are the only way. How, how dare you think otherwise? Well, that's it. That's all I got. It's been real. I'll be back tomorrow. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to hear from you. I'm at uh, Enemy Lines Radio, both on Twitter and Instagram. And I should start opening the show with that. I always forget. I don't know. It feels cheap. I like to get right to the issues. But... Thanks for listening. God bless. And we will talk to you tomorrow.